Welcome to the Gill Athletics Connections podcast, the number one track coach focused podcast in the world. From time to time, we like to bring you rebroadcasted value added podcast episodes, some little bonus material, if you will, in between our awesome interviews from coaches around the world. This is just great friends of ours, the Athletics LLC, hosted by Marissa Chu, featuring Mouse Holloway, Chris Huffins, and Charles Ryan. This is a great gang. They operate on YouTube on Friday nights. You got to go be subscribed. We're so blessed that they would let us give you the audio version. So without further ado, Athletics LLC. You are tuned in. Athletics Double LC with Lamar, Lucius, Big League Chew, him, my man Clyde. <laughs> you are about to be schooled in all things track and field. This is experience. Yes, sir. We are talking past, past present, present, future. future. Y'all listen up. Let's go. Hello, hello, everyone. No silly intro this week. I'm not going to mess myself up. <laughs> I did that enough last week. <laughs> so. Welcome back. Welcome back to another fun, 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 fun episode of Athletics LLC. Um, we're going to jump right in the water because we got things to do, people to get winning and all these championships going on. And we have a lovely, lovely, lovely guest to talk to real quick. Um, so we'll go ahead and introduce her last so we can save the best for last. But Lamar, the world traveler, how are you today, sir? I'm great. Happy to not be in a car. Smells like a good idea. Sir Lucius, how are you today, sir? I am absolutely wonderful as always, my dear. Thank you for asking. I appreciate that. Of course, of course. Clyde, banging with the gold tie. I like it. I like it. Or bow I mean, tie, I'm sorry. It's championship week. You got to wear gold somewhere, right? Right, right. Love that. Go Bears. Go Bears. Go Bears. And Go Bears. last but definitely not least, we have the most magnificent woman in the world right now, Miss Tiana Bartoletta. How are you this evening, my dear? I'm well, too. Bah, 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 bah. How are you? <laughs> I'm well. I'm well. Always loving to be graced by your presence, of course. So thank you so much. Thank you. Plus, Clyde? Yes, ma'am. Why is Miss Tiana with us today? Well, that that that's a very interesting question. Um, Tiana has graced us with her fabulous presence today because as this show is airing, as you all are watching, her memoir is officially available for pre-sale today. And we thought it, it was an excellent time to bring her back and give us you know, the information and the details. And she was gracious enough to send advanced copies of the manuscript to Mr. Lucius and Mr. Lamar, who have been reading. So they are also here in this moment to give us a, some preliminary reviews. So T, can, can we start off, I guess I'm in host mode right now. Can we start off by you know, the nuts and bolts of it? How do people get the memoir? What does everybody need to know about what's going on today? All right, so the memoir has been available for pre-order if you are on the insiders list. So today, the difference is that anybody who goes to my website, tianab.com, can place an order for a signed pre-order copy. So 
So all you got to do, tianab.com, you'll see it right there. Pre-order the book. There you go. Okay. And we're going to come back to that. I know there's special details that go along with all this signing up and whatnot. So Mr. Lucius, you've yes, been sir. You've yes, been I re- have. Yeah, that's why I get these bags under my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because without, it without is giving away too many of the details. You know, I'm, I'm not going to give you away any details. I'm just going to put it to you like this. Buy the book. Okay. Um, it, it's phenomenal. And, and I, it's, it's riveting. It, it keeps your attention. Um, most of you that know me know that I'm not a big reader, but I've had a very hard time putting this book down. You know, so I've fallen asleep almost, you know, every night reading the book because I'm just like, I gotta, I gotta read more. So I, I seriously, no jokes. It's phenomenal. Get your copy, get your signed copy. You will not be disappointed. I promise you that. Lamar, traveling. Uh, I, I'll say this. I've, I've had work to do in the last couple of days and the only regrets I've had about work is I haven't been able to stay in my book. Um, the book is, I think Sir Lucius used the word riveting. That is without question. That's the word. Um, if you, if you know Tiana, you, you don't know Tiana. If you, if you have met Tiana, you'll be like, Oh, holy. And, and if you've never met Tiana, when you see her, you're going to want to hug her. Um, so at the end of the day, I'll just say that thus far, um, I fight with this book. I love it. I, I want to fight some of the people in it and then I can't put it down and then I fall asleep reading it. And that has happened like three or four times. Um, it's not because I'm bored because I'm exhausted because I'm usually reading it at two, three in the morning, but I'm going to finish reading it, at least try to uh, after this tonight. So I should be up till a good two, three o'clock again. But uh, at the end of the day, look, it's amazing. And uh the 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 authorship is amazing the story is more amazing and compelling and and at the end of the day like if you're blessed enough to know miss tiana b it's a must-have the book is a must-have well well said gentlemen um as as one of the few people on the planet that knows what's in it from start to finish all I can tell you is buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> it is an emotional roller coaster ride. And I think for me, the coolest part is, you know, when athletes put out books or memoirs, the, the general consensus is, oh, I'm going to read about this person in their sport. And that's absolutely in the book. But it is so much more than that. And comes at the reader from so many different angles and pulls at your emotions, all of your emotions, with the stories and the narratives and the behind the scenes and the things you didn't know about track, life, and many, many other issues that people in general, you know, will ultimately go through. So it, it's, a, it's a lot more than a, than a book about track. And I think that's the brilliance of it and the people who are lucky enough to get their hands on it and get through it. um, Yeah, you're gonna learn a hell of a lot about Tiana, no doubt, but you're gonna learn 
straight up lessons that, that you can take forward and, and deal with your own lives and your own experiences. So uh, bravo T. And my question for you specifically is, you know, what brought you to do this? And how was the process of getting through all the writing? Oh, first of all, thank you, Lamar, Lucius, Clyde. Like those, that was, those were the only reviews I needed. Thank you. Uh, I wrote the book because we don't tell our stories enough in our sport. Oh no. The authors of those stories. And I really just, I've been through so much. I really just wanted people to know who was standing on that starting line or who was actually standing on that runway and what it meant for me to just be out there putting one foot in front of the other. Part of that is like, sure, it's easy to clown me for running slow or like jumping the short distance, but it's like, you know, we're always taken out of context. There's only so much you can know about an athlete from a results page. We don't get a lot of opportunities to explain the circumstances behind the performances that you're watching. And so Survive in Advance is a story of a life spent running, running from things, running from people, running to dreams, running to goals, running. I have been running all my life. And I thought now that I have found my voice and I'm brave enough and courageous enough to speak up, not just for myself, but for others, I was gonna tell the story, tell it all and burn it all down. Because at some point you just wanna live as yourself and you wanna be seen as yourself. And the people who support you will be supporting you as yourself. And those who don't want to, it's really easy to know who those people are when you are actually living authentically. And that's why I wrote the book. The process though was hard because it's like putting a life on paper and I really wanted to be careful not to be like, this is how I won the gold medal, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and then I won this medal and I'm so awesome. And so it really was, it was almost like going back to therapy. Like this situation happened. What was I thinking? Why did I think this way? There's, there is no place in the book where I painted myself to be an angel when I absolutely was not that. It is just as honest as I can make it. Uh, Clyde will speak to the fact that in my first draft, I left out a lot of stuff that was too painful for me to write about. And he encouraged me to write it anyway. And so I had to go back and sit with that pain and write it. And the reason I was able to do that is because there's at least one person on this planet somewhere going through that same thing. And the difference is they feel like nobody cares about them because they're not an Olympian or they're not out making medals or you know, high performing in some kind of way. And I want that person to know like, it happens to all of us, you're not alone and this is how I got through it. And so I could not turn away from those painful moments. So the process was tough. It's probably the hardest thing that I have ever had to see through. And that's including all of the stuff that's in the book. <laughs> so that goes to show what a labor of love um, this process has been. And even knowing that it's out in the world now being read is still also very uncomfortable for me because it's very vulnerable. Um, but it's just something that I have to lean into and share. I just have to. Well, T, we all very much appreciate you doing this and you being here to tell it. 
to everybody. And so, like I said, people, BeyondTheBeat.com, pre-orders are available right now. T, what is the official release date public? Yeah, so June 8th, you can just go on Amazon, Google my name, and buy the book straight up that way. Or you can pre-order in advance. You have until Tuesday to pre-order a signed copy. And the last thing I want to make sure everybody knows is because it's coming out June 8th, you will be doing some book signings where and when. So I have a couple of book signings during the Olympic trials, actually. So one of them will be in Portland, uh, uh, Third Eye Books, the day after the 100 meter final. So no matter what happens the day before, I will be in Portland <laughs> signing books and and you know meeting people as long as you know COVID allows. And then I will be at the Eugene Farmers Market doing the same thing, kind of just a, a chance to kind of be more interactive, especially. Um, when not everybody can come to that beautiful stadium. So it's just another way to to connect with fans. Fantastic. We appreciate you being here and good luck with everything. I know it's going to be a fantastic success. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night. Thank Have you. a great show. Thanks. Bye. Good night, spirit animal. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. I, I'll call her and tell her a text her and tell her I actually have our volunteer coach is a fan of hers and I didn't know this and she happened to be talking about her on our bus ride somewhere recently and I was like wait a minute who are you talking about because I was only of course only half-heartedly listening and she's like oh she's an Olympian she's a jumper I'm sure you know who she is and I was like Tiana and she was like yeah I was like, what is your question and she goes I just love her and you know I just want to learn so much about her and I was like well, she has a book coming out and she like just went on the website. Like she didn't know about the website or anything. And I was like, girl, you need to dive headfirst right now. So it's awesome. I'm super excited for Tiana and, and for any of you who are even just questioning, if you should, you should don't question, just go, you won't regret it. Um, but yes. So thank you, Clyde, for exposing that, exposing everybody else to what uh, awesomeness that is already. So um let's expose a little bit more mm -hmm. let's let's expose this uh Ugh. this event let's call it an event that uh took place last weekend uh we had we had been told we were being graced with the presence of a football star on our own eight eight or eight lanes of track nine lanes of tra eight lanes of track um and so Mr. Metcalf, yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about Zach. Um, Mr. Metcalf made a guest appearance and occupied a lane. You did. I don't know. I don't know where you are if you haven't read anything on the internet about this um, because you have not been able to escape it all week, if not the week prior. Um, but let's let the three tiles talk about their take on the situation. So who would like to get us started on this? <laughs> go, go ahead, sir, by all means. Uh, I first off want to send a shout out to Mr. DK Metcalf and say congratulations on the new lifetime PB in the 100 meters. Good for you. <laughs> I, I mean, that's legit, right? Mm -hmm. Like that is 100% the fastest he's ever crossed 100 meters without question. Uh, and good for him. Um, 
I think it is, is it, it's, it's very interesting, three things. One, it's interesting that he, the person, managed to show humility in the, in the, in the moment about the thrashing, I mean, the race that he ran and, and where he finished. Um, two, I think it's interesting the shopping cart full of excuses and allowances that the internet made for why DK didn't beat them all, uh, you know, as they thought, and they had probably told their unknowing friends, man, DK is so much faster than them track dudes, right? So the, the laundry list and the shopping cart full of excuses that they carted out to their friends and, and you know, but three, and I thought this was, this was, this was my favorite, the ridiculous internet silence from all of the football heads proclaiming the greatness that we were about to be uh, bestowed uh, with, <coughs> excuse me, that is DK Metcalf and his very large, very fast self. Um, I found that uh, deafening the silence, that, uh, that deafening silence of the internet chatter about how great he was. Um, and I just say like, at the end of the day, it's just from my perspective, like exactly. And I mean like to the T, exactly what I thought was gonna happen, happened. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna let my two wonderful colleagues go from there. So I ran the first leg, uh, I will stick to Sir Lucius and uh, I'll let you uh, run <laughs> the long leg on the back stretch. <laughs> That's right, because that's what it is, right? <laughs> well, I, I, I am not going to give this much of my time, as I did not give it much of my time leading up to it, during it, or immediately after. You know, I personally, if I knew Mr. Metcalf, I would tell him, great job. It was clear to me that he prepared. It was clear to yeah. me that he took it very seriously. Um, it was also clear to me that he didn't belong. And kudos to him. He manned up. He went out there, took his L like a man. And, you know, hey, 1036 is a very good time for him. A very good time for him. But it's not world class. And it's not national class. And so, again, kudos for Mr. Metcalf to having the courage to step out into the limelight and do what a lot of people in his shoes or in his position in the world would not do. Um, but I'm not even going to address all the other ADC that went on because I'm not doing it anymore. My attention, I'm, I'm done with all that. So I'm, I'm sure Clyde will run the heck out of the third leg on this one. <laughs> Ooh, does that mean big leagues running anchor? I like it. Oh, my God. oh big league can run anchor, no problem. <laughs> I, I'm so I'm so bothered by this. And, and, and I want to be I want to be really, really clear. I was there in person at Mount Sac. At, for the majority of the warm up, I was within five feet of, of DK Metcalf the whole time just by the accident of where we so happened to be posted up. This isn't about DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf took an opportunity he was given and 
honestly ran better than most people who should know better thought he would do. I don't care about the idiots on the internet claiming he was going to win the race. I don't care about that. Most of the track world, most people that understand what this thing is, had him somewhere between around 10-5. And he overperformed that. Props to him. He, as Otto Bolden said on the broadcast, he did not embarrass himself. And what I appreciated was in real time, both before the race, you know, the day before in the warmups and post race, he was very respectful of where he was, who he was doing it against, and spoke and carried himself in a very respectful manner. He, it was clear that he understood that he was an invited guest to a party that he probably shouldn't have been invited to. And he carried himself with class. I have no beef with the DK Metcalf. I have a, I have an insatiable, like I, I am red hot about the way it was covered and the way it's been covered since then and the ridiculous narratives that keep getting thrown out here by our community. I'm mad at our community because we've seen these sideshows over and over and over and the biggest, like the, the, the Donald Trump version of the big lie here is this. DK's presence brought so many more eyes to the television set, that's a net win for the sport. It's a win for everybody. Track and field's gonna be more popular because DK Metcalf ran 10-3 in a 100 meter race. People, even if that were true, we have no tangible evidence that a million more people watched the meet because DK was in it, but I'll, I'll, I'll pretend that you know more people watched. Do you realize that there is no collective bargaining agreement that says if a million new eyes watch the TV show, the athletes get money? That's not a thing. His presence was disrespectful. And the proof of it is if you watch the broadcast and the fallouts from the broadcast, ESPN, FS1, flow track for Christ's sake. No one's talking about the race that Craven Gillespie ran. No one's really talking about Shakari Richardson. No one's talking about Allison Felix, or I'm sorry, the person who beat Allison Felix, oh, Gabby. No one's talking about Rye Benjamin taking Edwin Moses off the record books at Mount Sac. No one's talking about Shamir Little. No, no one's talking about big homie Darrell Hill in the shot put. When I there tell y'all. There was so many amazing performances in that competition and the presence of DK Metcalf has sucked all the oxygen out of the room. We literally are being ignored by our own people under the guise of clout chasing the NFL. There's a lot of issues in our sport. There's a lot of things that we could be doing differently. There's a lot of ways we could be promoting these athletes and trying to change the systematic mess that leads us to our athletes being out there racing for pennies against millionaires who don't need to be there. There's a lot of fixes that can happen. What I guarantee you isn't the fix 
is inviting people to the party that ain't supposed to be there so you can talk about them for a week and ignore our athletes. That is ridiculous. No other sport does it. No other sport would even consider it. And we have to stop lying to ourselves about that there's value in it. There is zero value in it. It's been great for DK. The NFL is now selling t-shirts that say track speed with DK on them. It's insane. DK is not the problem. His presence was, we have to stop doing this to ourselves. It is a clown show. Well, and so this is something I want to, oh, I'm going to lift it up and, and if you have something to speak on it, please do. So in essence, what you just closed with Clyde was just how it's, it's a mockery, literally making a mockery of our professionalism of our sport, right? But take it a step backwards. Like you look at, I was on social media today and there was a compilation of videos of a high school male who was not in my judgmental eyes, not supposed to be on the four by one, but for whatever reason was running a four by one. And it was not a big man's relay. He was part of a legit four by one. And dude took it upon himself to do somersaults down the straightaway. And that's how he was gonna finish it. Or the compilation of videos where at cross country meets, I've seen more often than not males and females as opposed to females belly flopping into the, med the muddy water or, you know, just making a mockery of the cross country course itself. If we stop it there, does it help stop further advancing this type of mockery? Because like, even if, even if basketball players at a young age shake someone out their shoes, it's still a lover of respect, right? Because there's still skill in that. They're not, no one's ever gonna go out there and slide down the basketball court and then shoot a shot. No one's gonna actually take a swing at a baseball with their eyes closed or from their backside. So like, if we stop it there, does it help create a little more? It, it, it can't hurt, it, it, mm -hmm. it can't hurt. I just, in, in any realm of life, I don't care what the subject matter is. I just, I just don't like false narratives. Like it, it is, it is ridiculous to me, as Lamar said, to, as a sports fan, to never see my sport and the fabulous athletes and their accomplishments on ESPN. But then the race makes it to ESPN and we're literally focused on the dude who got last place. And then you, you bring out- In the heat. In the heat. In the heat. In the heat. And then you bring out experts to talk about how close he really is to the elites and how, you know, if he was that close to the best people in track and field, blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah, mind you, our top six athletes in the hundred right now weren't even at the meet running the hundred meter dash. Like DK's performance on the day he did it, there were 179 other men on earth who have run faster than that this year. Not like ever in 2021 it's the it's the number eight high school mark in the country there are 80 kids in division one who've run faster like but we're talking about it like it's relevant and we're giving it airtime we're giving it airtime right here 
Yes, we are. But we're one of the few places where the conversation is based in reality. Because all I've been watching this week is hyperbolic madness. And maybe choose right. Maybe at the lower levels, we let we allow enough clownish things to go on that it, everybody just thinks it's cool at the pro level. But that that example, that scene, there was nothing professionalism about that scene. It just it just wasn't. See, I, I what I think that this our sport doesn't get like. I think I said this a few shows ago, like our sport doesn't get how awesome it is. So it sells itself short on a regular basis, right? The, the, the only one of these like one-offs that I saw that was actually good for our sport was when like, just on a whim in warmups, Christian Coleman was like, yo, let's run a 40. Let's put that on television. So we can show all these football people how much faster we are than they are. And he runs what a four one two, like basically in his flats, like chilling. Like we all know he can run faster than that, but that's faster than anybody in a football field has ever run, right? That was great. It was a one off. It was a just in case you guys wondered if y'all should ever come over here with us. The answer is no. I'm gonna take my little self outside and finish doing what I do track wise. But as far as y'all speed, y'all got JV speed, and we track people have real speed, right? It was on ESPN. Boom. That was great. That was a great one-off for us. Doing it in reverse, which is what we did, we invited a millionaire to be a clown in, in the clown car with all the other clowns, because that's what we made of ourselves, and we look like clowns. Yeah. And that's what we have to stop doing to ourselves. Like, Track and field is literally a sport of kings. If you compare like how good you have to be to be a professional, not a broke professional in our sport, right? You got to be a finalist of the Olympic or world championship level to where we all agree you are a professional making professional money. If you're top eight in the world in any other sport, everybody knows your name. So at our sport, in order for somebody to know your name, you got to be the best person on the planet every four years, right? You got to be a Olympic gold medalist. So if it's that hard to be considered great at our sport, how about we treat it with some respect, right? It's like we got a bunch of really, really, really nice houses and refuse to put up a gated community around it with, with the security guard. Like, nah, just come on in. Y'all want to have a block party and a picnic down the street? Do what you do. Just don't spray paint the houses because that's basically what we're doing, right? There is greatness in the sport of track and field. But when you let clown performances happen like this, and again, to be clear, I am not clowning or saying anything bad about DK Metcalf because look, I'll be the first one to say he ran faster than I thought he was going to run. I thought he was going to run about 10.50. So good for him. Him personally, like honestly, and look, I watched his block, block star technique. I watched all that. This Cuzzo prepared. I give him props. Right. But it is no different than if Christian Coleman on a whim, somebody let him come to uh, this, not spring training, come to, you know, OTAs. Right. He ran a crossing route, got caught a ball. Somebody blasted his ass. It's the same thing. Right. Everybody in football be like, ha, stupid little track, dude. This ain't what you should be doing. This ain't it, this is not for you. Well, that's what all of us track people look at DK as like that was cute. We see that you practice, but you don't belong here. But we knew that before you came. 
But the problem is we don't treat our own sport like that, right? So he looks like he belongs just like everybody else, right? That's the thing. If, if my mom, I always use my mom because even though she has a son who's an Olympic medalist, my mom is a casual track fan at best, right? If my mom watched that track meet, when they announced all eight of those people, I promise on everything that I love because she doesn't watch football, she would not have been able to pick out which guy didn't belong because she doesn't do the spatial relations. She wouldn't have been like, well, he's way bigger than everybody else. He doesn't belong there. Trust me. When they all stand on the line and they announced them, she wouldn't have been able to pick out the guy that didn't belong. That's the problem. Our sport has no barriers to entry. And we put that on television. Yes. Like that's the problem. Well, I got one word for you. Respect. Respect begets respect. And until we learn to respect ourselves, we will never get to respect everybody else. Ooh, say it louder for the people in the back, Sir Lucian. Respect, as the queen will say, R-E-S-P-C-T. I was waiting, I thought you would sing it. I really thought you were gonna sing it. I you weren't gonna sing it. I love it, I love it. You right. gotta respect yourself if you want somebody to respect you. And that's that's just the facts, man. That's just the facts. Well, and so I'll say this and we'll move on. That was the one thing I like about the show, Pros versus Joes. As much of it, in a sense, it was kind of a mockery of what, what professionalism was in, in each sport that it highlighted. It showed that you couldn't just show up. And so like you all have said, thank you to DK Metcalf for actually preparing for training for such an event, for actually having some know-all, wear-all as to what needed to happen to, in, to endure the 100 meters. Um, but don't, the average Joe, don't, take, don't forget to take away, he prepared for that. So it made sense, right? It wasn't like he was just doing a summer training and then he showed up at Mount Sac and came out side to side going like this, like we all expected him to run. He, he actually prepared for it. So that made sense. Like when we get our high school kids who transition from their respective sports before the respective sport before track and field, we have to do all these alterations. Doesn't change when you get bigger, better or older. Like it's the same thing. You've got to prepare. And there's, there's a certain level of um, attendance that has to be there. It's not just to show up and do something. It's not. You can't just pick up a basketball and just throw it in the air and hope it goes in the hoop. I mean, you can, but you can't. I mean, a average Joes for the longest time have been sitting at home in their house talking about, I could be so-and-so, right? Like, I watched this happen when I used to live in Boise, Idaho. I was I used to I used to hoop and there was always a gym full of dudes that used to always talk trash about Kobe Carl because he, he had gone to Boise State and he was like the 12th man on the Lakers and they used to always talk about well look I know I could whoop him so like you know like basically the last guy on, on, on each team is trash and then Kobe came back to Boise and when I tell you he looked like Kobe Bryant for like six straight hours just thrashing dudes embarrassing him having dudes fall down and I like I would just sit on the sidelines laughing like if I had had popcorn I would have been popping it consistently and eating it because I kept saying 
I had played with Kobe before and I knew how good he was. I was like, when that dude comes back here, y'all are going to get thrashed. And I told him and he went ham on those cats. And that's what happens. Like every time, like average Joe meets real athlete in real sport, right? Like for whatever reason, they're all smart enough to not like think they can go play football. I mean, they've tried that and they all get blasted into like never, never land. But you know, like Joe average golfer never thinks they could go beat a pro. Right. But for some ungodly reason, and it's because we don't respect ourselves as a sport, there are people in other sports and people who walk in the streets who like think they can run as fast as track people think they can jump as far and jump as high. And I'm like, y'all have no idea how far from reality you are. You know, somebody asked me one time, like, how high is high in a high jump? I was like, imagine trying to get your whole body over the doorway in your house. And that's opening bar. Like you, you, you have no fat, you can, you have no fathomable understanding. Like it's 40 feet across, like from one side of the street, across a standard street to this from sidewalk to sidewalk. Every female triple jumper in college that that's on full scholarship can jump that far in three well, steps. So, and I'll stop after this and we will transition. Iggy via Stanford put this on the internet today. He, he said an average freight, what are they called? The containers that the 18 wheelers pull is 53 feet long. What if we put that behind a triple jump or not behind, but alongside a sand pit and showed the distance that triple jumpers, male triple jumpers, male triple jumpers specifically do that with ease, right? Or upper class. Um, and I was like, that's a great analogy. Because even at 53 feet, like some of us are like, oh, yeah, good job. But I mean, I, I get what you're trying to say, but that that's just uh, another example of how bad of a job we do. Mm -hmm. We don't need shit like that. We shouldn't need mm -hmm. to explain the awesome athletic ability of the people that we involve ourselves with every day. The fact that real coaches even have to come up with gimmicks like a door or a container to explain to the people who don't want to be explained to in the first place about what we do is ridiculous. We need to focus on what we do and how we do it best and how we can maximize it and stop trying to do, like stop with this outside stuff. It's an insider's game, it is what it is. And like I said, my biggest problem is the fallacy of the fake arguments. Until the structure of it changes, there's no such thing as more eyeballs mean more dollars for our athletes. That is mm -hmm. not true. So stop lying about it. It's fundamentally untrue. And it's been proven that it's untrue over and over and over and over and over again. What's next? It, I know. The, All right. I just want to, I want to put a fine point on, on what Clyde said. Like this is what track and field athletes and coaches who watch the show need to understand. Hear me when I say this, write it down. The athletes in our sport do not have a place at the table. At all. At all. When the, the table where the food is being the food is being fed and the money is being passed out, there are no athletes at that table. And therein lies the problem. Mm -hmm. All right. 
Let's talk about the real track is back. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And thankfully, Clyde, you've already alluded to some of them, but there's so much more on top of that. So what, what was memorable from last weekend to you all? Well, I'm going to start exactly where I was. Like I said, I, I was in the building. Okay. Um, if you know what you're looking at, Shakari Richardson is on a whole nother level of <laughs> running. Like, it's one thing to open your season in 10-7. We were all impressed with that. Most of the smart people stood up and respectfully applauded it. Okay. I watched that race on YouTube. I watched these two in person to run the prelim in 10-7. And then an hour later to come back and drop another 10-7, but oh, only this time it was into a negative one point plus headwind. Like you guys got to understand that girl stepped out there and put together a 10-5 race. The wind didn't cooperate for about 30 seconds because the men's race was plus 2.0. It was like <laughs> one moment all day where the wind flipped the other way. If she had the men's wind, that's a 10-5 race. Yeah, right she's now. the second fastest woman ever. Yes. Yeah. Right now. Right now. And like, look, <laughs> it's, it's just different. And people are gonna have a whole bunch of opinions on every side of what she's doing right now. But the bottom line is she's a star and everybody should be paying attention and treating her like a star. We should be lifting her up and waiting for her to bust through because the fast times are cool, but she still has to make the team. She still has to come home with a medal. But right now, it doesn't seem like there's anything stopping her at all. I'm sorry. Like, the Jamaicans can't do what she's doing. They just can't. And so, you know, that was the most, you know, awe-inspiring performance individually that I saw this weekend. But there were others. And again, when you knock Edwin Moses off of any record book, <laughs> let alone as your opener, Okay, the men's four and a hurdle race at, at Golden Games, spectacular. 47, 47, 47. And the Viking wasn't in the building. Okay, like that was a fantastic race. And it just confirms, you know, for me, you know, what I believe, which is that race is going to be the most compelling race, you know, at the Olympics on the men's side. And there's a whole bunch of other things from Golden Games that I'm going to throw out there, but I want to come back around. So those are my two men and women on that side of it. Well, I, for, I'm, I'm going to leave the Golden Games. I think this one might have been missed. Um, Mr. Krauser ventured to College Station and threw 74 feet. Yeah. Nobody, nobody saw that. Yeah, he just quietly said, I'm going to open up at 74 feet. You know, and then you talked about the big homie dropping 73. You know, it was incredible. We're back, back over at the Golden Games, you know. Um, Big uh, home and little shorts out there talking. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, right? Uh, I, I, I'll just, I, let's just keep this going. 
I, I'll say this about about the big homie. First of all, if you have never met Darrell, like you need to, because he is the most authentic individual. Yeah, I don't want to dis. I don't want to dis, dis anybody else in our sport. I'll just say this: he's one of the most authentic people in our sport. Right? He's a real dude. Works really hard. He has had to grind to get where he is, and I just need y'all to understand: for him to open up a seven three seventy three feet, like listen, I told y'all that dude is winning the medal, and if he stays healthy, there's nothing stopping that from happening. Because that looked easy. Um, at this point in time from a training perspective, you always try to raise the floor. And I think, because nobody's paying attention, I think Ryan Krauser has raised his floor to 74 feet. I think if he goes to the meet and he doesn't foul and, and, and like he doesn't have COVID and the, and the, the meet, you know, like as long as it's just standard operating procedure, he's going to throw 74 feet or further. Right. He opened up, he opened up at 74 feet indoors and he just did the same outdoors. Like, at the end of the day, if you can't throw 74 or, or better, like, just leave that man alone because you're going to have problems. Um, but I want to I jump in on this one. It's a two-part from the same race. Um, one, Noah Lyles may have, a, may, may have a chink in his armor, and there's some things that he's going to have to tighten up to get to where he wants to get to. Definitely not going to say he can't. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that ain't it right now. But the other part to that is when Kenny Bednarik decides to be who he is, like, this is who I am. I'm not afraid to be great. Um, I don't want to butcher the quote, but, you know, there's definitely a fear to greatness. When he gets past that and, is, and, and will actually dare to be great, that guy's a problem because big problem. he's a big problem with the emphasis on big. He is not bold and I am not saying that, but the problem is the math problem is the same. He is a gigantic man with gigantic stride length who has the frequency and the strength to be an, an unstoppable problem. And he's starting to figure it out, y'all. He's starting to figure it out. Let, let, uh, again, I was there. He owned that race. Oh, for sure. For 180 meters. Like, owned it. And, I mean, you weren't, like, we pay attention. We know Kenny can run. I wasn't expecting him to dominate the race the way he did for as long as he did. Props to Noah for figuring it out and, and beating him to the line. Oh, but that was a massive shot fired. And, and that's, that's just one of the, that's one of the things that's, you know, interesting and, and beautiful and intriguing about our sport. A lot of people are upset that we're not going to get to see Christian Coleman and, and understandably so. But when Christian had to take his exit, a lot of people were like, oh, well, coronation of Noah Lyles. And I got to tell you, there's a whole bunch of people in 100 and the 200 are like, yeah, 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 pump your brakes. We don't think so. And Kenny is a problem in the 200. Like, it, he just is, man. That kid is scary good, and it, it's fun to watch. It really is. Yeah, now, I'm, I'm a big Kenny fan, um, have been. And what he showed me was we've seen very few people accelerate through the first 80 meters of the tournament the way he did. 
we've seen people run up on, on Noah, run by Noah, but not that quickly and not that far. And knowing one Mr. Dennis Mitchell, who his coach as I do, that was a very intense conversation after that race. I promise you that. And I can promise you that Kenny's going to hear that about that for a while. You know, Dennis will be in his head about being, as, as uh, Lamar so eloquently said, who you really are. And we saw a glimpse of it. And I'm not telling you, don't go back and say, oh, Lucius said that Kenny's going to beat Noah. That's not what I said. It's going to be a good race, though. It's going to be a good race. It is. I mean, Noah's PB is 1950, right? Yep. Well, I, look, you can write this one down in concrete. I can tell you this. Kenny Bednarik can run 1950. I don't know that he's going to. I don't know that he's going to beat Noah. I'm just telling you this. He can run 1950. That much I will put on everything. And, and so, like, you know, like earlier you were talking about Shakari, like nothing can stop her. I, I couldn't agree with you more. The only thing we're at where we're at now is like management. It's May. The games, look, we got a trials and a games and the games are in July. Right. We got to manage May to July. 71 days. You got right. We got to manage those 71 days. And at the end of the day, like that's where we're at. I don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily think she needs to get any better or different or whatever. She has to manage the next 71 days. I'm not saying, look, I don't want anybody to, to, to go and say, Lamar said, well, she should just stop training. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there's 71 days that you have to account for, for your activities over those 71 days. So someone and, on the internet will say that's what you said. It's all right. And that's okay. And, I, and you know what? As a guy, as, look, as a guy, and I hate to be this guy, as a guy that's won a medal and been to Olympics and didn't win one, I can tell you that the difference is in those 71 days. Absolutely. Yeah, so another, another performance I, I, I found to be intriguing was Mr. Norman. And mm-hmm. um, I, I think what we're seeing with, 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 with Mike is – a transformation into coming coming into his home as far as learning how to manage his race, manage his efforts. If you watch him in the past, he would just go out and go out and kill you right away. And Mike's kind of like, you know what? I'm the best guy here. I'm going to go win the race. And I'm going to run 43 when I need to, not just because I can. He understands that firing those bullets in April and May mean nothing. And for those people that are worried about, nah, stop worrying. Like, watch him. He's not running. It's he's straight on cruise control. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of it because there's no need for him to run 43 seconds right now. No I mean, if you're, pay- if you're paying attention and, you know, look, I know the people on this panel are, right? I rewound the, I, I rewound the race and I timed the last 100 and I was like, yeah, they got a problem. Because mm-hmm. we know he can run faster for the first 300. But as fast as he's running the last 100, and that was easy. He was like, I should run faster now. Right? Like, absolutely. Like, he was playing around and just go ahead. Absolutely. Um, one of the races, you know, one of the races where I, I, that I saw that I want to pay special attention to, not just the top, but the middle, was the women's 100 meter hurdles at Mount Sac. All kind of interesting stuff going on here. We could start at the top because that's the easiest. Kenny Harrison mm-hmm. rebounding nicely from her fall. 12.48 was supposed to win the race, did win the race, 
looked like herself, looked very much in control. When Kenny is good, she's the best that's ever done it. She just has to be good when it really matters. And she'll, you know, she already has the world record. She just needs the outdoor, outdoor championship. And if she's being herself, I mean, who's really going to stop her? But for me, the more intriguing things were happening behind her. Cindy Sember, AKA used to be Ophelia, ran a lifetime best 12.53. Ooh, but get to the next one. But get to the next impressive. one. Behind her, Toby, Toby Amundsen, very nice 12.61. It's not her lifetime best, but Toby looks really good. But for me, the most, it is. the most intriguing parts of that race were the other two. And I'm going to skip one and go to Sydney McLaughlin. Sydney McLaughlin stepped out and ran 13-0 a couple weeks ago, and everybody's like, oh, you know, it looks good. Sid's working on some things, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Every time she steps out on the track, she's cutting at least a tenth of a second off her time. She just ran 12.65 for a lifetime best. Now, I don't know what the plan is because I'm not Bobby Kersey, but I do know it's starting to look like Sydney can be a problem in that race if she feels like being one. I'm just saying. But for <laughs> me, the, the big smile of that race actually goes down to the Bahamas. Devin Charlton. Devin Charlton ran 1261, a lifetime best, and a new national record for the Bahamas. And the reason that's dope to me is because Devin Charlton is a lesson in one issue in this sport that a lot of people screw up and get it wrong. Devin Charlton uh, was the NCAA runner-up when she was running at Purdue. Always a fantastic kid, fantastic hurdler, great family, trained under Lonnie Green. Okay? Lonnie is now running at Kentucky. Devin and Lonnie thought that, you know, it might be better once she's done with college to get in a professional training environment. And she came to work with me. I'm pretty good at what I do, but Devin being out of that environment, being in isolation, living by herself, new things to learn, it just wasn't working out for her. And honestly, I could see it. Devin works her ass off. She works hard. She is the sweetest kid. She will do anything you ask her to do, but getting away from the coach that brought her to where she was, wasn't ultimately a good idea for her. And so she went back and here she is running lifetime best, setting the national record in the Bahamas, looking very much like a woman who's supposed to be in the Olympic final when that comes. And it's just great to watch. And too many kids feel like they need to seek out new situations. And all these changes aren't necessarily good. There's a value to sticking with the people that made you. And so props to Lonnie Green. And props to Devin Charlton. It was fun to see her out there rolling. I gave her a big hug. Like, I am happy to see Devin running like Devin, even though I couldn't be the one to get it done for her. Like, that was dope. And I loved watching it. Great job, Lonnie and Devin. So I'm going to leave the, the, the pro world for a second. And I'm going to come back down to the collegiates. And, you know, some of the... Um, HBCU uh, conferences this weekend. And I'm gonna start down the SWAC. <laughs> um, my man Richie Bean, my man Garfield Elwood absolutely got it done. Um, 
in the men's hundred, I think they were 1018 and 1025. Um, young lady ran 1120 something again. You know, Richie had a young lady double in the eight and the 15 and a guy, you know, they just got it done. Yeah, I think they won the women. They were second in the men. The women, women's came down in a four by four and to pull it out. Um, so, you know, kudos to Garfield for a great job. I did in sprints. Kudos to Richie. And I think uh, Coach Snap is the uh, jumps coach down at Alabama State. And nice. you know, he got some people to come through for him. But over in North Carolina, NCA and T just decided to disrespect anybody who wanted to step on the track. They, they scored over 280 points on both sides of the court at a conference meeting. Just utter and complete disrespect. And it wasn't just because they had more numbers than everybody. They were running quality times. You know, just pick an event and, you know, that they were, they were good. And so, you know, I want to give a shout out to Dwayne Ross and his staff and the fantastic job he's doing down there. And, uh, you know, as we'll, we'll get to that in a couple of weeks, but they, they will be heard from at the national level. They will, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal job put by, uh, by them in the MIAC and by Alabama State and SWAC. I think Prairie View won, won the uh, Miz Me, so we had to give them a shout out as well. So, so the, the, the fun and interesting thing about the SWAC meet, indoors, Richie Bean and Alabama State lost the championship to Prairie View, and it's the first time in, I think, 12 or 13 years that they had lost the meet. And they lost it by, you know, it wasn't a nail biter. They lost the meet. For him to flip that, come back outdoors, and win the championship, take it back, you know, to where I'm going to say is its rightful place because I just got finished working there and I love Richie. Like our, our industry needs to understand something. That outdoor title that Richie Bean just won with Alabama State, people, that is his 40th conference championship. 40. I don't know fully how the whole Hall of Fame thing works. Lucius does. He's in there. Uh, Richie Bean belongs in our Hall of Fame. 40 conference championships. It's ridiculous. It is a testament to just who that man is and how he gets it done. And if you're a nerd and you look and study how that meat broke, Richie pulled some things out of his behind that you wouldn't have even have expected. And, you know, props to the whole crew. Um, like, it, it, it was fun to watch. It was on YouTube. I, I was glued to that thing all day while I was traveling. Like, you know, props to that man. Seriously, I we got to get that man in the Hall of Fame. He's he's earned it. Yeah, hot and juicy, hot and juicy, Bean. hot and juicy. <laughs> <laughs> inside joke, but it's a hilarious. It's definitely an inside joke, but it's a great one. Oh goodness gracious! Um, any other track is back. I mean, there are so many. Oh, there's like, a lot. L listen, we say a lot, and we always forget a lot too. So, go. Not getting back into our earlier conversation, but one of the casualties of that early earlier conversation is uh, the men's triple jump went completely, completely dark on, 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 the, on the Golden Game stage. And Will Clay jumped 17-15, Donald Scott jumped 17 uh, uh, even, and Chris Bernard jumped 16-98. It was a good competition. Completely dark. No one saw it on TV. Barely anybody saw it in the stadium. But they were out there jumping their asses off. And they deserve the attention. Like, Will Clay... <laughs> Will Clay has 
a remarkable story. Will Clay belongs on television. Will Clay has a beautiful family. Will Clay is coming off a surgery that could have ended his career. Like, Will Clay deserves airtime. Like this is a story. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy that he that that he didn't get any airtime, and him and him and Donald and Chris Bernard didn't get any airtime. But it speaks to what we what we were talking about before. Like we keep letting the people in the production trucks decide how we're going to package our sport. Right? We don't have time for the triple jump because we got to tell the DK story. See, but there's got to be. No, no, no. I'm not. No, no. All I'm saying is like, this is why I'm saying like. These are the places that we need to have people that matter, right? It's like in how the product is packaged. That's what I'm saying, right? Like we can't cut out events for stories. We do it all the time. We do it in the Olympics, right? Like we can't do that because the product is too good. Like you tell stories when you need filler. Like track doesn't need filler. Track needs commercials because you're too wound up because too many good things happened. Yes. I mean, Will Clay's like 365 days from, from Achilles tendon surgery, and this dude jumps 17, 16. That's dumb. Man, look, we, we all been waiting on Shamir Little to do something over some sticks. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> out listen, out there, I gotta say it because the hair, fantastic. All like faded, pink, lined up, amazing. And stepped out there 53-65. And behind her, you know, if, if you're a nerd, you've been watching Gianna Woodruff's development over the years. National record for Panama, 54-70. That girl's come a long way. Like, that's a hell of a race. Who is Gianna Woodruff's coach? Boogie Johnson. So if Gianna Woodruff is doing that, you know what's coming. I, hey. I'm just saying. Hey. <laughs> Again, just, we're all waiting, right? Like, there's so many things we're waiting on. And, and, and you know, the men's hundred, the our, our, our quote-unquote headliners weren't there, obviously. But a lot, I, I said this when they made this transition. When, when Craven Gillespie turned pro and went back home to L.A. to train with John Smith, a lot of people had opinions about that. And all I said was, it's going to work. It's absolutely going to work. And guess what? It's working. And this is another story that we missed. Craven Gillespie ran 996 on his home Juco track to win yes. the Southern Games. No one knows that except nerds like me. Like, Craven is doing everything he needs to do to put himself in a position to challenge to be the U.S. champion. He so, looks so good. Let, let, so, so let's give John Smith a little credit here. Yeah, I don't know who's, I don't know anybody that's going out to John that hasn't run pro. I mean, Ryan Bailey was a good sprinter. He went to John, he became a great sprinter. You know, there's a little guy that we know the name of Leroy Dixon that had a hard time making the NCAA final and went to John Smith and made the world championships. You know, and it's just to name a few. I mean, John is one of the best coaches to ever do it. And anybody that questions any young person, the whole key with going to John is you just got to listen, right? They go to John, they listen, and, and, and his process takes a little longer than most. You know, he's, he needs at least one year 
and, and it, it gets it gets done. So anybody that questions anybody going to John just stop. Anybody would very much said so. I don't pay attention to those people, but props to John and great line, great race, very well, um, very well technically put together. You know, he did, he did a good job. And I knowing JS as we do, I'm sure he picked the heck out of it, right? <laughs> We're like that dude ran 996, and he's probably like, yeah, he should have ran 985. You know how JS is. So that's right. But great, yeah, incredible job. And, and and just because I I like this kid, I have for a while, and, and you know we spent a lot of time talking about the Americans. I like seeing CJ Uja looking looking like he's supposed to look out there running ten oh three. Like CJ's a good sprinter. You know I, I don't think anybody's gonna predict that the CJ comes out out of you know the Olympics with a medal, but you know the great the the Britain team is very dangerous in the relay. And in order for them to to really be at their best selves, they need CJ out there doing what he does. And you know, CJ looked really good this weekend. I, I liked watching that. I thought he did a great job. You know, when you when you talk about the relays, um, the challenge for the USA is to remember who we really are. We to remember who we really are, and to approach the relays with the pride, the passion that we used to in the old days. You know, and just kind of go out and disrespect people. You know, like we don't do that anymore. We got to get that back, in my opinion. So I, I still think that if we line up with our four best people and we do our job, nobody beats us. Either. Doesn't happen. Oh well, that's always been the case. Yeah. We we always step on the track with the four fastest people. Not yeah. always. Eat no. uh, twenty twenty twelve. We didn't have the four fastest people. We did not. I. Man to man, I mean they had both, but man to man, no. All right, it was it was close, but the both both the difference maker. So we did have four fastest guys, <laughs> you know. And we had three of the four, or two of the four, but not the four fastest guys. Well, well, hopefully this go round. Um, the, the 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 coaching leadership of the Olympic team can uh, have <laughs> no pressure. I've been waiting influence. for someone to say it. Well, you know, I, and, and, and honestly, I, I mean, I, I know that guy pretty good, and um, I can tell you right now, he's not scared, not at all. But again, it just comes down to the people that are going to be running if they're going to listen. You know, I think that's part of the issue here is that we've forgotten the history of the USA and the pride behind the relays. You know, we've forgotten that we used to go to the World Championship, the Olympic Games, and win the relay by four or five seconds. We've forgotten that. We let the worst of the world back in. We let them into our backyard. It's time for us to lock the gate. Put them out. Top of I mean, you should just make clip that. Go ahead and put that on everybody in the relay pools, iPhone, whatever, their device. Go ahead and play that on the and, way over. And some of the administrators' iPhones as well. But <laughs> topic for another time. <laughs> it's about a mindset. But back to track is back. I mean, I think that I'm excited moving forward. Um, I, I like you guys. I'm I'm excited to find out when Delo is gonna gonna open up. You know, I'm very excited. You know, there's it's gonna be a pretty good hurdle race coming up next week. Uh, apparently, Devin Allen, um, Daniel Roberts, and uh, Mr. McLeod are gonna go at it out in um, California. You know, oh yeah. Good. And, and I mean, this 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 stuff hasn't happened yet, but you know, just like indoor, props to uh to P Diddy to Paul Doyle. The the, the ATL Outdoor Series is is on its way. It's its first um, 
installation is, is coming up this weekend in Irvine, California. And you better look at these start lists because that's a hell of a field that they've across the board, all the events. And so I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm very happy to see, especially the Americans buying in to getting these opportunities done at home and correct me if I'm wrong, all the meets on the ATL series have been given um, bronze status. So not only are they going to be good races, but they're going to be, good opportunities to get your world rankings up because we all understand that that's how the game is currently played. So important races for the professional side of things. So I, so I've got one that I'm going to say, okay, so when, when are they going to open up? When is Fred Curry going to run the 400? You took the, I mean, right, (laughs) right. Right. Come on, man. Quit teasing us with the 20.2s and the nine, nine ones. Can we see? Can we see the real deal? You know, like like where where is Wade Van Dieker? Is he at home? Is he in the states? Is he? Can can I throw out a random <laughs> cynical? Can I throw out a random cynical thought? Like I have absolutely no evidence of this whatsoever. But the minute you said that, this is what came to my brain. Fred Curley and Wade Van Dieker haven't run because they were waiting to see what Mike was gonna run. I believe that now that Mike has run, those two will be running shortly. That's Michael's second race. But so. the first one wasn't, you know, wasn't much of anything. Right? I don't, I, I don't give any, either one of them that much credit. Uh, but it, it sounds good anyway. It, it's, no, a good plot, good. it's a good, no. good plot to a, you know, to a, to a B movie series or something like that. You know, but no. I, I just want to, I want to know when they're going to open up. Yeah. I, I, um, I want to know when, I want to know when the Viking is going to open up. Yeah, he's another. I'm, I'm definitely waiting on that. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna start firing these shots because, like you said, I mean, forty-seven-six was third this weekend. Third, and he and, wasn't there. Katarian wasn't there. And, and just like, just like Norman looked absolutely in total control of himself through oh, three hundred. Now the week looked easier. Oh my god! Like, it was but, not. No, not at all. There like was when no along, like so. I'm watching him, then, then I kind of shift my eyes to uh, McMaster. McMaster's McMaster's is getting it. Oh, no, yeah, no, yeah, he's working. And Raj is kind of like, Wow, well, I'm gonna run with you for a little bit. I'm, I'm I gotta drop you off. You know, that that was that was textbook. It was, you know, kudos to him and him and his coaching body. And I mean, McMaster, that's a big run for him. That's a PR for him, I believe. Not right at it. And I, and I think the third guy to national record as well. As well. So, so I think, so I think like, so conversation for me with the 400 hurdles is, okay, who gets second and third behind Mike at our trials? Because they, right now there's, I think Kenny Summers ran 48.8, Amir Latin ran 48.9. Yeah. Um, the top collegians 49 one and that'll change here in the next couple of weeks, but that's the big question, you know. And then like once Fred opens up, we see where his his head really is, and you know who's the, the who's the third uh, slot for the men's 400 in the USA. And and I think that that's going to be interesting. Well, that well, particular we thing what, there, we all know what's coming. I mean, the one of the most interesting things is the fact that the NCAA championships are going to end. And the U.S. trials are going to start literally seven days, not even seven days later. So 
you know, some people had their conference meets this weekend. Everybody else, all the majors are going to have their conference meets this, this coming weekend. And, you know, it's going to be very, very clear that the, that the professionals and the broke professionals <laughs> better be on high alert because with the, with, with the trials being as close as they are to NCAA championships, the collegiates are going to be a very serious problem at the trials. And there's a handful of them in various events that are already a very serious problem that we talk about often. So I, I'm very much looking forward to the SEC results, the Pac-12 results, the ACC results, or the, what else going on, Big 10, Big 12 from this weekend. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a hot, hot weekend coming up. A lot of shots going to be fired this weekend. Yeah, I mean, next week's show might be track is back. <laughs> yeah, Our the defense. whole show. <laughs> I mean, the entire show. Like, I already know because, because 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 there's a meet on Tuesday in uh in Texas at the AP Ranch. Yep. Yeah. So and have the, has there been a meet there yet that hasn't been very fast? <laughs> right. So that'll be good as well. Anything else to highlight before we move on? I, I think the big thing for me is that you know as we talk we talk about this every week. You know, kudos to the coaches, man. Uh, there's, there's some guys out there coaching their tails off. And um, and some know, ladies. And ladies, too. Like, hey, Tanji B for Bailey is one of those. She's getting it done. She's getting it done. Um, and what whatever Dennis Mitchell's doing, he's keep doing it. Because, you know, see, we, we almost forgot. Jamie Hunt Oliver ran 1097 this weekend. Nobody's talking about that. Win legal. Oh, great. This year, 11 went for that same head when she carried right? Into, you know, yeah. and so you know, then Dennis, Dennis is doing a good job with his camp. You know, you talked about CJ Uja. I mean, that's obviously Raina, um, because I saw Raina with him the week before down in Claremont. CJ didn't look so good, so Raina went to work with that one. <laughs> he got some things done, and because uh, I, I gave that group a shout out, you know, Lance Brahma and that whole crew down here in Florida, man, they're, they're getting after it. Very impressive. I'm, I'm waiting to see also, you know. Um, I, I can never remember her, her name, but uh, Derek White has the young lady was a USA champion back in like 2017. I don't know, I can't think of her name. She's a division two or three girl. Um, uh, you? No, no, no. Hmm? Uh, this is so bad I, because I, guess that's I like, know exactly who you're talking sweetest, about. Swedish young lady ever, and they are doing a phenomenal job. She battled. Uh, I forget she went to the line. Oh, was Shamir down in Miramar? It was the race that Shamir won in 400. Yeah. yeah. It'll come to me during hard. It's because whenever Derek talks to me, he calls her the beast. That's why I, <laughs> I can't remember her name. So, but uh, I'm waiting to see how she continues it to, to transition and um, the rest of her season goes. I think that's the thing that I'm the most excited about because we're seeing great performances, but I don't think in anybody's case we've seen their best yet. Yeah, like it was clear to me, Shakira was really excited about what she did, but she made it known to the world that we are not done yet. So I think you see a lot of that the rest of the year. What you got? All right. Um, what don't I have up this sleeve with this next one? Because this one is going to pick up some hairs off people's backs and necks. What were they thinking? What are they thinking? 
Um, I say that in relation to what were they thinking when these loosely defined coaches post their workouts or strategies or methods on the internet versus uh, via social media or whatever it may be? Um, and what are they thinking for the coaches who are absorbing this stuff as word? If before we go any further, it's Quinere is not, and I apologize to. I asked, was it Q, and y'all both told me no. And I was like, Q is Quinere. And I didn't, I didn't hear the Q at all. But yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll, I'll enunciate. Are you talking about Q, also known as Quinera Hayes? Okay. Yes. Yes, we are. Okay. <laughs> yes. I thought that's what you were talking about, but haven't I was we like, talked, haven't we told you about talking like you got marbles in your mouth, man? I didn't. Y'all, usually y'all can hear me. Hold on a second. Not there's three of us. None of us heard what you said. So clearly we aren't the problem. You're outnumbered, sir. So anyway, back to this question about the internet coaching. And, 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 let, and let me be clear on something. I, I am not one to bash anybody. I'm not one to have a problem with anyone having confidence and belief in themselves. Okay, that that is your opinion. That is your that is your right to passage. You know, the living where we live. But when you want to get on the internet and start guaranteeing things that you haven't done, when you want to start spouting off that your training system is the best ever, when you want to start spouting off the guaranteeing people that what they're going to do, no, this that's just it's wrong. Um, and in a, in a society where people are driven. The number of parents who are out there looking for the magic pill. You're preying on people that you know are desperate. They're looking for scholarships and you're guaranteeing them that, that they're going to get something and they're not going to get it. You know, so it, this is a two-part message for me. One is to the people that are putting information on the internet, stop it. Because nobody is as good as you guys claim you are. Your training methods are... I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to be good. I'm not going to go there. Okay. And for the parents out there, you wouldn't go to the Yugo dealership expecting to get a Cadillac. So do not go to these people expecting to get some super performance for your son or your daughter when they have never produced anybody this stuff. You know, understand what you get yourself into, do your research and understand that as we've been saying for the longest time, this sport's horrible. And if you want, there's only one thing that's going to make this happen is quality work with a quality coach. And a little athleticism goes a long way as well. Um, uh, let's real quick make a delineation. We're speaking about the, the throwing the noodles against the wall as coaching versus virtual coaching versus I'm live streaming my, my practice with Sir Lucius and he's giving me lifetime coaching corrections and things of that nature we're we're talking about hey this looks good then yeah. post so i want to make sure that's and I, and I, I want to say, i'm sorry i try not to get on my soapbox about this but it's, it's something it's, it's kind of sticks in my craw a little bit so like understand this also if you stay in this long enough we all get one right we all get one that does well. There's always one outlier. And just because somebody's had one person, male or female, run fast does not mean he, can, he or she can get 
your child to run fast or help your team run fast. Okay. A one, uh, an outlier, a one-timer is not a sign of excellence, is not a sign of expertise. You know, understand that. Again, you're not going to the Yugo dealership shopping for a Cadillac, remember that. So the, the only way that I know how to properly address this particular uh, set of circumstances, I'll put it in our, in our world, is, is to kind of use an example from my own life. Uh, back in the day when I was uh, coaching high school age kids in Knoxville, Tennessee, one of my original star athletes was a young lady named Jackie Cowley. And when Jackie was breaking national records and doing all the things she was doing, when it was time for her to get recruited to go to school, there were a handful of coaches in the collegiate ranks that thought it was a good idea to come at Jackie through me under the guise of, well, coach, if you help me get Jackie, I'll help you get into NCAA coaching. I considered those people clowns. I never even thought about the idea of, I'm gonna help this kid become a better athlete and use them to push my agenda forward. It's supposed to be about the kids. And so when you see, you know, when you, when you, Instagram and all of that wasn't popping in, the, in those days like, the, like it is now, but like now you could get on YouTube, you can get on Instagram, you can get on Facebook, and you see these coaches selling these snake oil kind of situations and promoting these random ideas, and in some cases, plagiarizing ideas from other people. All I would tell you is, if you go to somebody's IG page, parents, athletes, and it's full of other people's athletes and them giving their critique on what's wrong, you probably want to avoid that. If you come across these people who have like videos of work they haven't done and are telling you, this is how you fix it. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. And Lucius is right, because of the pressure of what it takes to get a scholarship or get into college, there, there's so much opportunity for clowns to come in and take advantage of kids and take advantage of parents and charge a fee to do so. So just like anything else in the world, you need to vet these situations. You need to ask tough questions. You need to you know, be able to define proof of concept. And if it doesn't feel right, skip it. Because I assure you, there, is, there, there are way more clown coaches out there than actual human beings of good character to know what the hell they're doing and have a real interest in your kids. Most of the time, the interest is in themselves or the money that they can ex extract from you. It's hard to do this. And there are quality programs almost in every state and multiples in some states with proof of concept that are delivering kids into school, PRs, you know, limiting the injuries and, and being about the kids. And it's gotta always be about the kids. Um. 
obviously I'm very passionate about this particular subject. And so rather than go on, on a really long rant, I'm going to, I'm going to say this in particular to the parents, because what you're trying to do is out of love for your children. Um, every person that I've met, and I've met a few in the sport of track and field that is highly successful, highly decorated, and you know, borderline brilliant, they are cloaked in a level of humility that speaks to the fortune they have for being paired with the athletes that could do the things that they did. They are all, they all dress themselves as stewards to certain athletes greatness. And very rarely do they speak in terms of I and me, you know, my athletes, this, I did that. I did that. My guys did this. My ladies did that. Those are not, that's not the phraseology of the greatest people in, in, in our sport from a teaching perspective. There's a whole lot of we, there's a whole lot of, you know, I'm blessed to be able to coach so-and-so. Um, we have been in the lab doing a lot of work. Those are the people that you want to surround yourself with get information from, um, curry favor from, and if, ne if necessary, pay. But if you go to someone or worse yet, someone comes to you and says, I can make your son or daughter do this. You should run. You the should run from direction. those people. You should <laughs> run <opposite> from <laughs> those people, right? Because I, I've known... Look, I'm going to pick on him, but I've known Sir Lucius for we're we're getting close to three decades. Don't don't out him like that. That's nasty. And in that in that wonderful time that God has allowed us to be friends, I can't name five times that he's ever said, "I did," or "My people always." I probably can't name three, but I'm being kind. So at the end of the day, I feel like this. The Fugazis should be relatively easy to spot if you're willing to look for them, right? Just because they always out themselves because it's always about them. And at the end of the day, even if that person's a good coach, you probably don't want a coach that is more in it for themselves than, it is, than they are for your child. So if your interest in, in internet coaching and gurus is to find someone that will be good for your child's success and progress, the internet's probably not where you should be unless you're sending an email to, you know, the university of such and such. Hey, can you help me with guidance for my young person? Can you point me in the right direction? But if you're just trying to like, you know, WebMD to figure out how to cure cancer, like that ain't going to be it. You, you know, what? that's actually a really good point. Um, out, out of respect for who hit me up and the way it went, I won't use their names, but I had two people hit me up this week. Coach, there's this kid in your area who's really talented. Can you work with them? 
And of course, I'm like, I can't work with them. I'm an NCAA coach. That's not legal. But since you asked, here are the best people to talk to about this who will do a good job. That's actually a really good strategy to find out who's real and who's fake and who's authentic in your area. Because I assure you, anybody working with young people in the area of City X the college coaches know who's good and who isn't because we're the ones that have to go recruit these people all the time. So if you're wondering about that, sending an email to a college coach is not necessarily a bad way to go about it. We will always point you in the right direction. Agreed. Agreed. I bet that conversation went a lot different than people thought when I brought up the topic. <laughs> Guaranteed. Probably. Guaranteed. That's why and, I got a little bit of sense, most of <laughs> Yeah, no, and that's great. Thank you for your input because that, that's all relevant and and all very sound uh, advice given as to the what are they thinking and the what were they thinking. So I hope you all heard, and if not, rewind the last about 15 minutes and listen to that again. But with that said, put a bow on that one. And let's go into rapid fire. Uh-oh. And he says, uh-oh, because he knows it's his turn. I feel like it's been Right? Let, let's see how fast that uh that beanie is rocking in May, sir. Oh, you see, I took my I took my glasses off so I could focus. Hmm. Okay. No stunner shades. Okay. Um, are you ready, sir? Yes, ma'am, I am. All right, your go-to Starbucks drinks. Starbucks drink is. Ooh, uh, it's the vanilla frap. It's like a milkshake. The, the vanilla what? frappuccino, I think, is what it's called. Is that because McDonald's is always broken? Their machine's always broken. So they go there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, that's not why. But I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong. Like, yes. All right. Um. The best pair of Oakleys you've owned? Oh, oh. Um, the best pair of Oakleys I've ever owned. Um, they're like in a special case in the house somewhere. Um, it was the original M frame. Um, yes, I'm old, but they made, because we were running in Atlanta and everybody's glasses uh, from the trials were uh, all fogging up they made vent holes in the tops of the lenses and they made special VR 50 lenses for me for, uh, for non-natural light because half my events were competed um, after dusk. And then, you know, where you had dusk light and, and uh, whatchamacallit, stadium lights, and it makes a, makes a weird glare and such, but definitely those were the best ones I ever had. Got it. No one has a clue what you're talking about besides like the three people that got them. So <laughs> they 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 were really, really dope Oakleys. Got so, it. Were, they were um, M frames with special lenses. Okay. Um <laughs> Steph or Tim Hardaway. For what? Just Steph or Tim Hardaway. I mean, what, to like go to the club or like we're trying to win a basketball game? I'm just trying to understand what you mean. And are we shooting threes or am I winning championships? All the above. Who are you taking, sir? Don't think so much. Sheesh. 
Steph or Tim Hardaway? I had to give you the context. Yes. I mean, I mean they're going Steph. to the club. <laughs> I know, right? Steph. I'll take got Steph. It. Okay. Cubert or Frogger? Frogger. How do you, wow, I can't even talk. How do you prefer your eggs to be cooked? Uh, over easy or scrambled with cheese. That's, that's two different, oh, anyways, moving on. On the bus to a meet, or on the bus, are you sitting behind the driver or on the other side? Uh, on the other side. Got it. When well, you okay, okay. I'll be fair. Only when that seat's available, most times that's the head coach's seat. So sometimes I sat there, but yeah, preferably, but if not the one behind the driver. Got it. Um, when you played Nintendo Olympic track, did you use a pencil or your hand when you were sprinting? Uh, I used the back of my fingernail really, really fast. And once again, we proved that Lamar is a clean athlete because if you had a pencil or a pen top, that is the equivalent of steroids. <laughs> you, ain't, you ain't legit. And, and, I, and I used to take joy out of beating the folks with the pencil because I have really fast hands, so. Jeez. I wow. feel like I wore a groove, I wore a groove in, the, in, the, in my nail doing that. I, I mean, and if you don't know what we're talking about, you're young. You. That's what your problem is. Sucks to be you because we we are dope. <laughs> well, Mr. Lamar, you have survived. Congratulations. Kind of. Oh I, I so, need a I need a bold prediction for comp for championship weekend. One for the SEC. One for the Pac-12. Ooh. Oh. 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 <laughs> a bold prediction. Um, hmm. uh, bold prediction for the Pac-12 is Oregon sweeps both genders again. Oh, that that would be that would be very interesting. You said bold, so I went with it. Um, a bold prediction for the SEC. Uh, I will just make it easy. A bold prediction for the SEC is that uh, Coach Henry and the crew don't win a championship at home. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Again, that would be interesting. You said bold, so I figured I'd go, I'd go out on the limb. I like it. Sir Lucius, do you have a question for Lamar? Uh, I mean, I always got questions for this dude, but you know, I'm, I'm going to ask a question that uh, hopefully will keep him from going around the block to cross the street here. Oh, so, here we go. No, so no, I'm going to make it easy. I'm going to keep the same conference theme here and bold prediction for the ACC and the Big Ten. And I, and I, and I don't want this chalk stuff that you just gave here either because that was very chalk. <laughs> that wasn't chalk? Absolutely. Oh man. Uh, whew. Bold prediction for the Big Ten. 
like the yep. conference nobody's seen run because they haven't run anywhere near the Midwest. Um, hey, we didn't ask you to bash him. We just asked you to do it. <laughs> you know what? I'm sorry. Bashing was necessary. Um, I don't know if I have a bold prediction for the Big Ten. I just I, I don't know. I don't know that I have one. Just being flat. I'm about, out. To, I'm about to boo you like Clyde always boos you if you don't come. Pick <laughs> <laughs> oh, a petty bold prediction. Go petty. Uh, I predict that Purdue men win the four by one. All right. I feel like they, <laughs> on instinct, I feel like they might be the favorites, but I don't know. Chalk. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Chalk. Oh, oh God. Oh, uh, you are. And you said for the ACC? I, I asked for Petty. You gave him was predictable. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, okay, I'm going to change the question. Who wins the women's, I mean, the men's and the women's titles in the Big Ten? Because that, that chalk stuff you were doing was terrible. Oh my God. Uh, huh. Um. I'm gonna say Ohio State wins the men's, and because this makes no sense whatsoever, Penn State wins the women's. All right, that took way too long, but we got some answers. Thank you, Claude. I mean, neither one of y'all asked rapid fire questions, but when I did that, I got beat to death for it. So well, that's okay, though. Somebody's beating you to death. I, my, my, my question was clearly rapid fire. She took you 20 minutes to figure that out. Okay. So, so go. my attempt to get you to not go around the block, you went around it twice. Jeez. <laughs> this, obviously, tonight is Bass the EP, so it's okay. I, I'll wear it. Excuse me? I said, obviously, tonight is Bass the EP, so it's okay. I'll wear it. Who is bashing you? You need to come back to the Eastern time zone. Like, you, you're too froggy in the Central zone. No, I'm not froggy at all. I'm just saying, nobody's bashing you. You, just, you, you up past your bedtime. You're getting cranky. Uh, this is true. Can <laughs> <laughs> will not deny that. <laughs> well, let's move the needle. Let's give our heartbeat props to those who need it, who need to hear it, I should say, um, and who it's due to be given. Uh, is any, oh, there we go. Mr. Lamar, the world traveler. Uh, my heartbeat props go to, and that's why I have this Tampa Bay Rays hat and shirt on. My heartbeat props go to my uh, wonderful 21-year-old son who is, who jovially called me today to tell me that they are playing a game tomorrow. And it is the first time he's played in a baseball game in exactly 600 days. And get him, Zachary. I was incredibly happy for him and moved and he's juiced to play. And, you know, look, I can't imagine not doing the best part of my job for 600 days. I cannot imagine that. And uh, that young man works incredibly hard. Uh, he has a great deal of passion. Um, he has a village behind him and we're all very proud of him, so. My heartbeat props go to uh, young Mr. Z Huff. Go get him, kid. 
Um, oops, I can go next if you like. Um, I, I'm, I'm gonna ride with uh, my training staff. Um, throughout COVID, throughout the, um, you know, the nicks and knacks that we've had throughout the season, um, they have stood strong um, and, and done a phenomenal job with getting people healthy and, and getting them back on the track so we can have a team, we can have a season. So I want to give my props to Andy Clark, Delonte Lawrence, and, and our new uh, young lady to join us in January, Chanel, who walked into a bus saw, had no idea what she's getting herself into. Thanks so much, Chanel. Yeah. Good luck, Chanel. <laughs> yeah. So she's, uh, she's handled it well. I'll, I'll give her credit. She's handled it well. So I want to give a shout out to them for, you know, bandaging us up, taping us up, you know, all the good things they do, and even having to prop up the head coach every now and then. So thank you guys. Appreciate everything you do. And, uh, Five more weeks. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Um, Sue, you can go or whatever. I'm I'll go. I'll go real quick. Um, wanted to give my heartbeat props out to our strength and conditioning coach at IEPY who works with the women's team specifically, uh, Pedro Mendez. He's done a phenomenal job with our group. Um, goes unseen all the time. He's a quiet worker. Um, he and I talk all the time, but uh, when the student athletes that I'm blessed to work with are making the strides they are because of their gain, uh, their strength gains as well as their technical gains, um, it's hard to ignore. And unfortunately, there was a lot unseen at our conference meet this uh, past weekend. Um, but what I loved is he still went to the meet, even though the power group did not compete. And he learned even more and mid meet he texts me and he says coach we got to talk some more i want to know more i need books we need to have more conversations and he just his his desire to learn and be better as a strength and conditioning coach and not just that as a coach in all in all um is motivating and you know for all of you strength and conditioning coaches out there, that, that's something that you should strive to do is understand the sport that you're working with. It's not all the sports that you will ever work with. So um, Pedro, big up to you. You're awesome. Keep doing your job so I can keep looking good doing my job. Um, my, my heartbeat props tonight um, because I'm choosing to take the positive route with this particular story. Um, I could have thrown this into the what were you thinking segment, but <clears throat> I'm, I'm actually very proud of one of our incoming freshmen, uh, Miss, Miss Asia Atkinson out in Southern California, who attends us, who attends uh, St. Anthony in Long Beach. Um, California has uh, made some really uh, egregious uh, decisions with the, uh, the way the the high school season is being handled out here right now. And one of the cool things that happened this past weekend was the Arcadia Invitational went off. And if you watched it, it was, it was an amazing meet. It always is. I personally consider it, you know, the best high school regular season meet in the country every year. Well, one of our signees, Miss Asia Atkinson, went to Arcadia and she won the long jump and she won the hurdles um, in very impressive marks. What most people don't realize is that earlier in the day, she actually competed in another meet for her high school, which was their league championship. Well, apparently some people had a problem with that 
And there is a little known rule in CIF that says you technically can't compete in two events on the same day for whatever reason. So the coach of the team who her team beat filed a protest to get her disqualified from the league meet under this rule. If she would have been disqualified, the other team would have won the title. That plan backfired and the governing bodies decided, well, technically she did violate this rule, but it was the second meet that was the problem. So they disqualified Miss Atkinson from Arcadia. She won the long jump, she won the hurdles, and they are tossing out her results. And the reason that I am pr proud of her is because she has shown nothing but class in the face of this utterly ridiculous and petty situation. She tweeted, being, disrespect being disqualified is saddening, but I did an amazing job regardless and have the medals to prove it. Yes, you do, young lady. Bravo, congratulations. And 10 years from now, when I go watch the video of the Arcadia Invitational for 2021, you know what I'm gonna see? I'm gonna see Asia Atkinson winning the hurdles and winning the long jump. And in a year where all of this mess is as bad as it can be for these high school kids, especially in this state, I cannot believe that once again, people wanna make it about themselves and do these kind of things to these kids. Like leave these kids alone. If anything, you should be applauded for the amount of work you put in that day and the spectacular fashion that you put it in. So congratulations. You got the medals. It's on video. It's on record. We all know what happened. Props to you, young lady. And we're happy to have you. Go Bears. <laughs> Bears. <laughs> well, in such fashion, we've wrapped up another great episode. A lot of good, different topics were covered. Um, hopefully everyone was ever able to pick up something and really just let it hit home and sit in their heart. So um, with that being said, Clyde, Sir Lucius, best wishes, run fast, jump far and high, throw far um, to you two this weekend in your squads. And uh, Lamar and I will hold on to forts. <laughs> we'll make sure nothing, nothing flies away. Um, but other than that, thank you so much. And to everybody else who's competing this weekend, travel safe, do what you do. And in the gracious words of TV, survive in advance, just keep going. So Indeed. thank you so much. We'll see you soon. When the lights come on, the road just get to running. When the lights come on, opponents mess the plumbing. Heard you like it warm, hot knife the butter. Truth pin them hard, knock them off that rebuttal. Tsunami, tidal wave to your puddle. Tough love punch you in the arms, little brothers. Athletics double, I'll see if there's no others. Track the field's pace and we'll peel to go further. Hey, Wiley, Coyote, it's Roadrunners. Feels like you know us, you've been with us the whole summer. If not for this quarantine, these four corners wouldn't be here, but we're here, so start learning. You gotta earn your stripes, gotta get your scars. Show you how to fight, but show us who you are. You lack experience, but still you wanna talk. And who is actually talking to your circle's kinda small. Heads prevail when the backbone's strong. Gotta keep it coming, no, won't last long. Pass and fail, then sell the sad song. And if you don't check yourself, then that's wrong. Just trying to give you the real that you asked for. So why you keep cutting us off to ask more? We put it in slow mo, but you fast forward. Athletics, devil, I'll see the task force.